Hello, welcome. Welcome to my podcast. My name is Nanaya, Nanaya Edu. I'm 22 and I write poetry and personal essays and wellness guides. Um, I currently have a bit of a love-hate relationship with politics, understandably so. But interestingly enough, a lot of the stuff we're going to get into are going to be political. Surprise, surprise. But let's get into it. Who am I? Yeah, so I'm a British Ghanaian, um, recent graduate, um, living in East London. Uh, yeah, I love poetry. Um, I was going to say I love politics, but I don't love politics. But I'm just a really passionate person. So even when I try really hard to not get riled up or get involved in things, I I find my way. I find my way there. Even when I'm like, oh, I'm trying to be a mysterious girl not interact too much with post i find my way in the comments section going at it just starting stuff not starting beef but just like trying to like get people to think about things because i know sometimes we go on there to to distract ourselves but some of the stuff you see there is just it's wild it's just wild reminder that even if you want to escape life will not let you it will not people manage to package the toxicity in real life and just boom plaster it there and it's like i can't escape can i can i so yeah i do get into some beef online sometimes trying to do so less often for my mental health for my peace trying to be a mature girl i'm trying to be a mature babe i'm trying to live and let live live laugh love that's what i'm trying to be on but life doesn't let me and you know i'm that person who rants a lot i am but i'm such a thoughtful person so do you know what i decided i'm not going to subject my mum my siblings my partner all my friends to all this yabba 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 i'm not gonna keep on flapping my trap to them so i decided to get to start a podcast so i could do it for you guys because there's nothing better than putting a podcast on while you're doing laundry or just grocery shopping because you just don't want to you just don't want to be alone with your thoughts you just don't want to exist in silence do you so i'm here to help you and while you're doing so you're technically getting educated because i'm actually gonna make an effort and for specific topics i'm actually gonna do research so i'm gonna be learning something new you're gonna be learning something new it's all gonna be good i hope you love it so yeah this is the much ado about nothing podcast it's worth noting i did not come up with the name myself my friend petros came up with it he used my surname and i just think it's so genius i love it i'm sorry it's so good but yeah so i hope you kind of have a bit of my idea about who i am and what this podcast is going to be about um essentially the format at the moment is going to be i'm gonna find well basically if there's any comment i come across on instagram that i'm like whoa i like that or whoa this is messed up or whatever it is i'm basically gonna be yeah getting into it here and just discussing it just expressing my thoughts on the issue on the theme on the topic wherever it is that's basically what it's gonna be about and also i just want to let you know i'm not in like a professional studio or anything right now i literally i'm literally using my sister's mic 
in our room and so if you hear any sounds like traffic or kids crying I'm sorry I'm sorry y'all it's just you just gotta have to deal with it I'm sorry I'm sorry girly but yeah I hope you enjoy it I hope you I hope I hope you have a good time not that the stuff we're gonna say are gonna be like happy jolly topics they're actually gonna be a bit deep and peak I'm sorry but I hope you enjoy spending some time with me okay so I think I'm just gonna go into it yeah so the comment of the day we're gonna be discussing is a comment made by someone called uzo.0 on instagram i think it's yeah and it's an interesting one okay so it reads and people wonder why the newer generations aren't popping kids out anymore it's because our society is incompatible with motherhood big one big one and it's in response to a video where a lady describes the similarities and traditions surrounding postnatal care provided for women in like communities and cultures from the global majority and also if you're like me and only recently learned the term or like came across the term global majority this is what it means and for those who don't who haven't come across the term this is what it means so it refers to people who are black, African, Asian, brown, dual heritage, indigenous to global south. And it's a term that was coined by Rosemary Campbell Stevens. Yeah, so it's just um, referring to people who have been racialized as ethnic minorities because interestingly enough, these groups actually represent approximately 80% of the world's population. So they are kind of actually the global majority. So that's what the term means. And I got that definition from um, a website called your student union um yeah so my thoughts in response to the comment what do you think i think of course i agree i agree that our society is incompatible with motherhood and also by the way i'm speak i'm saying this as uh someone who's living in the uk like in the west and who sees firsthand how motherhood is approached and essentially not really encouraged or facilitated whether it's like systematically or socially or but yeah i'm gonna get into this I'll t- i'm gonna tell you why obviously i'm gonna tell you why i think this so it's also worth noting that when i talk about motherhood i'm talking about i'm making parallels between motherhood and social reproductive labor so yeah motherhood essentially when i did like a quick google search it was basically like the state of being a mother that's not really saying much is it so when I'm saying motherhood, I'm talking about social reproductive labour, and this is what that term means. Um, so, in a 2021 paper by Ellen Gordon Bouvier, um, titled "Vulnerable Bodies and Invisible Work: The COVID-19 Pandemic and Social Reproduction," Bouvier describes social reproduction um, work as a wide range of labour. So, this includes things like um, supporting and nurturing those who undertake paid work or caring for the infants the elderly sick disabled populations it includes stuff like food preparation domestic work just the kind of things that we usually um associate with the motherly figure in like a household um yeah and obviously you could all obviously talk about how all the gendered division of labor all that stuff but we're not going to really go into that okay can you tell i study politics yeah can you tell is it obvious it must be (laughs) yeah i study politics i'm sorry so this is this is my kind of thing this is my kind of 
um i love to get into it i love to get into the nitty-gritty but i'm gonna try not to for you guys okay there's no point going so heavy-handed with it it's just a like chill podcast (laughs) chill but yeah so in order to like like the way i'm gonna approach this question is with another question is social reproductive labor valued in our society my answer to that is no it's not i'm sorry did you expect a different answer no but i'm gonna tell you why let's get into it let's think about the notion of productivity okay especially in relation to capitalism yes okay when we think about something that's productive we tend to think of something that has like a really clear economic output like something where value is being produced or profit is being made um but i feel like with reproductive labor that value isn't quite clearly defined in monetary terms like we're like oh for example think about um mother's day for example and how we're like oh we love our moms we couldn't do anything without you but you can't really put a price on like a monetary price on the work that our mothers do for us and for the household but yeah reproductive labor is essential for the function of families society and the economy and even if you were to just think about um, socially reproductive labor on like a personal level like as an individual if you were to like i guess think about the ways the ways you mother yourself i don't know no this sounds weird i I hope you i'm trying to be like i'm trying to like explain like basically when you do things like grocery shopping basically um certain tasks within the household that are gendered feminine you know that those kind of stuff like whether it's like doing laundry or cooking or all that stuff the stuff that in like a two parent um 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 household with like a man and woman the woman doing the the kind of task that she does yeah that kind of stuff i hope you get it okay yeah um yeah so that kind of labor is usually undervalued and it's usually framed as inferior work and it's not especially when it's compared to uh, productive labor so like paid labor and like going out to work whatever that means or like i don't know working from home but you know what i mean okay yeah so a lot of this obviously is related to ge- to gender and the fact that domestic labor is gendered feminine and thus undervalued but i think it's re- you can really tell that social reproductive labor is undervalued when you think about how as a society we think about stay-at-home moms okay stay-at-home mothers so women who choose to um not take undertake um full-time or um part-time paid employment like they choose to commit themselves fully like their roles become to the role is to be the mother mother (laughs) um yeah so i think it's interesting because i'm in my early 20s obviously and even i like i feel like even from like a young age i was like drawn to the idea of the woman who can have it all you know the girl boss yeah the girl boss the one who's like making the making moves in like a corporate space she's making that money but also she's a mom she's a wife 
with her three kids they're happy they love her she's present but she's also making that money she's a ceo she's doing everything and she can do everything because women can't have it all and even like maybe as like a teenager i was like yeah that's the kind of woman i want to be but like it's not possible i'm sorry i do not have the capacity i'm sorry realistically speaking it's actually a really difficult thing to do um perpetuating the myth that women can't have it all is subjecting women to such disgusting levels of like exhaustion it's just not fair really it's not fair and as a society we tend to praise women who like do the boss moves as well as do the um mother um being a mother do the boss moves while taking up the role of being a mother and doing so to like a full like capacity i don't know how to really describe it but i'm kind of hoping you catch my drift yeah um but obviously when we think about how we feel or respond or maybe it's just me but i know it's not just me but how we think about stay-at-home mums there's like a bit of there's a little bit of a stigma a little bit of a "Mm, really what do you do all day then can't you just i don't know pick something up on the side you really just want to be a month like morning to evening wow do you have are you doing any hobbies then kind of thing it's like what are you doing with your life and it's funny because because if we considered social reproductive labor as valuable and like in like the same in like a similar way to how we think about productive labor we wouldn't respond like that would be like i don't know we'd have more respect for it we don't and i think that's reflective of the fact that we don't really see social reproductive labor as work we don't see it as real work and because it's not like there's a clear price tag on it it's like mm, it's an important thing we couldn't do it out here but it's not all that is it you can do that quick bish bash wash but it's not really bish bash wash is it though it's really exhausting and i feel like i had my experience of that firsthand because my my um yeah my mom was away for a bit and it was just me and uh, my little sister and my brother for a while and my sister was off to uni so it ended up being me and my brother and um oh yeah sorry he's in secondary school he just start, started year seven and yeah i had to do all the yeah, start all the cooking yeah, start all the cleaning and then just like h- helping with homework and making sure he was getting up on time make um showing up to parent guardian event things you know when you know when they want to give you an update about the kids because it's like a really big transition for them and stuff yeah just doing all that kind of stuff and I don't know it was exhausting work I'm not gonna lie it was hard and it gave me like a newfound respect for mothers who do it alone like single mothers like I already knew it's hard like it was hard but just seeing like well not seeing like basically almost like like living like a simulated version of it it was just different it was just like it's like i'm exhausted and even when i want to relax i can't relax because my brain's in overdrive if you don't think about what you're running out whether it's like if you're running out of milk like you have to think about so much stuff like the executive functioning stuff like i've seen i think it's executive functioning 
executive decision making I don't know what the word is but it's like I don't know keeping track of stuff and doing like the mental gymnastics to keep like the house and the stock and the pantry and the fridge stocked and everything yeah all that it was hard I'm not gonna lie it was hard and it gave me a newfound respect for mums and yeah but yeah that was my only that was my own little personal experience of it and yeah going back to the subject of how we perceive stay-at-home mums like when we think of when we even when we think of the fact that you know when some women complain like on the internet about being exhausted and wanting their partners to be more hands-on and they're like oh like it's not that hard or and they're just and when they're just berated and stuff it's just like it's crazy because a lot of the time especially nowadays it's rare that the breadwinner models like you're the model of your life so like the the man doing the work and the woman not having to work because the the his salary covers everything realistically speaking it's not not if you're living in the west or not or not unless you like really 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 rich but yeah a lot of people uh, a lot of the time both the man and woman are working so it's like when they're like oh i can't do this on my own i feel overwhelmed and it's like they're working a full nine to five shift and coming home to do a bunch of other work yeah they don't get paid for it yeah you can't really it's not really considered in like monetary terms in terms of value but it's invaluable labor but they're doing both and that that actually has a word for it i think it's reversed with the double burden and how a lot of women are subjected to that they're they're and it's interesting because they're encouraged to work but they come home and they're doing extra work and then a lot of countries including in the west including in the west because you know people love to be like oh in third world countries third world third world Mm -mm. even in the uk women whether it's like working class or like those who work in academia and all that stuff it was interesting enough but because interesting enough um turns out that a lot of professors female professors even during covid they were the ones doing like majority of the domestic labor even though they and their professor husbands were both in the house and they both had the same load of work they were doing the childcare and the domestic labor and it's like it's interesting interesting and oh intellectually interesting but not nice is it it's not really nice but yeah enough of that um another thing i actually wanted to talk about which i felt like reflected how we think about or value social reproductive labor in a society is within the formal industry where reproductive labor or care work is carried out so like think of like um adult carers those who are taking care of people's parents whether they're dealing with conditions like dementia or just like having health complications due to old age like the kind of people who do that kind of work yeah that, so in the uk the average care worker salary is like around twenty thousand, twenty three thousand pounds a year um or like 12 pounds an hour but with entry level positions that actually starts at twenty one thousand pounds a year and it's interesting because yeah a lot of people okay it's hard because a lot of the um, ex- um justification or excuses that are given us like it's not 
really intellectually engaging work anyone can do it you know anyone can do it except not any not everyone can do it i'm sorry you're telling me that you yeah you can engage meaningfully in conversation with someone who seems unresponsive due to whatever condition or their mental state is you can engage with them in conversation physically support them help them clean clean them feed them keep track of their medication sometimes when they're feeling like under distress and stuff they don't want to take medication or sometimes they don't know who you are and they're scared of you like there's so much involved and that's why a lot of people when they can afford to have like in in home stay at home stay in i don't know what the word is but like people who um, are basically living at home helping them take care of their family members who are unwell like it's not an easy thing to do but these people are being like paid less than some people working like as retail assistants it's like think about it you're getting paid less to take care of vulnerable people and the thing is when stuff happens with people's family members people get get angry they get upset it's like it was your responsibility to take care of my mom it's your responsibility to take care of my nan and you you turned your your eyes away for five seconds and she fell and she's really unwell now like it's like such a big responsibility taking care of her of another human being who people love and cherish and care about and who is vulnerable and it's like they are being paid less than i don't want to like demean or devalue the work of people who work in retail and stuff but it's just it's like this even this comparison shouldn't be happening it wouldn't be happening if they were being paid a good amount that reflected the value of the work they do but these care workers aren't so now you like you find yourself having to do this weird comparing oh they do more work or they don't get enough because these people and all that stuff but it's like pitting two people who are being exploited against each other to be like who deserves more them or them and it's like this shouldn't be happening but yeah when you think about even care work we can tell how we value um, social reproductive labor as a society, or at least economically speaking, how we value that kind of labor. And if you're in the UK, you'd obviously be aware of the fact that there was the biggest nursing strike, which launched around Christmas last year, so 2022. And okay, even if we were to move away from the idea of social reproductive labor and all of that stuff, on a practical level in 2022 in the UK a survey was carried out and published by the campaign groups pregnant and screwed and mum's net you know mum's net yeah they published a survey and guess what guess what according to its findings two-thirds of its respondents were paying as much or more for their childcare than for their rent or mortgage (sighs) can you believe that i just can't that sounds crazy to me and as a result unsurprisingly almost half 43 percent of working mothers were considering leaving their jobs 
and 40% were working fewer hours than they wanted to because childcare fees were unaffordable, yeah? And it's far from, like, like in this context, it's not surprising when you actually find out that the birth rates have been gradually falling in the UK. Yeah, and it's crazy because there's material, like, there's actual concrete negative consequences for when um, there's not enough money being put in stuff like subsidizing childcare like it has an effect and also with the cost of living crisis and people not being able to afford um, food and to cover their rent and just living in increased like financial precarity it's like why how would you expect people to just embrace or approach motherhood with like a positive perspective and want to take that responsibility when when they look around and no one's gonna help them like it's just not fair and even the fact that um especially in the west the notion of being able to go to work and being employed as a um, woman is seen as like an inherently feminist thing inherently feminist but in terms of like practicality these women are basically having to give up work to take care of their kids because they can't afford to not work because it's not practical financially speaking and how much isn't being done to address that to to um enable these women to do the work that they want to do so i I don't know just interesting but yeah the government's response has been weak and minimal surprise surprise and i found out while doing research for it that um one of the things that the government proposed was basically um something to do with regulation so i think at the moment it's like in child mind like in the child care setting uh it's expected for like one member of staff to be responsible for i believe four kids or three kids but they changed it to be like one member of staff can be responsible for five kids or four kids whatever the accurate number is so basically they have they they are responsible for more kids yeah the government was like "Mm, let's introduce some efficiency let's make these um members of staff responsible for looking after more babies and toddlers yes increase the number increase the number for that efficiency yeah yeah and if you're someone who knows what toddlers are like because you have toddlers in your family or you work or interact or are friends with someone who has a toddler you know how sneaky they are how swift they are literally you can literally look away for a second and boom they're somewhere they shouldn't be holding something they shouldn't and it's like it's so incredibly frustrating that sometimes when the answer is more money the government's like no 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 problems just because you're inefficient you're the problem and it's like it's just sometimes it just feels insulting to our intelligence as 
citizens i don't even know what to refer to as as the pop as people as people a population but yeah um it's funny that one of my favorite shows um i actually think it's probably one of my favorite comfort shows now it's called motherhood and um it's a british um show it's just you know you know there's like a brand of british shows that you're like those are so british and it's like it's the kind of tv where you're like "Mm, i love to be i love living in the uk god save the queen i just love it yeah it's that kind of british humor it's so good i love it it's just so good it's so funny yeah it's motherhood i think it's still on netflix but so if that's something you might be interested in that there's a recommendation for you nice intellectual recommendation it's not really intellectual but obviously it's about motherhood so like it touches a lot on a lot of the stuff i talk uh, talked about from like a humorous perspective because the characters are just so funny and their relationships and friendships are just so i love it i love it but i hope you enjoyed this chat i hope it was informative i hope you left knowing a bit more about the state of the world economic and political state of the world and yeah it was like interesting to yeah just learn more about stuff i kind of had a vague idea about but yeah that's it that's the episode i hope you enjoyed it I hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble on about political stuff. Um, yeah, so again, my name is Nanaya, and this is the Much Ado About Nothing podcast. See you next week.